0: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We all know whatever is new seems to get the attention. There's nothing like a new car smell. Putting on new clothes, we make comments about that. To other people, taking on new building projects, celebrating some newlyweds, maybe in the family or friends, and even seeing a new business open up in town. All this gives a sense of joy to an old creation that we know full well as Christians lost paradise long ago. And Jesus, especially today in our text you heard, highlights the new with a woman giving birth. For joy, he says, that a human being has been born into the world. Yes, there is a new body. Babies are cute. But a child is a new soul, uniquely created by God, a new person in this world. And in many ways, we know that kind of newness is no longer on the radar of many people. Lord, have mercy. This is the greatest thing Jesus celebrates in our text about what's new for the world. And yet, as Christians, we also know newness in an old creation still leaves us to pray something, deliver us from evil. As the small catechism teaches... We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to Himself in heaven. More than how the new gets old, and so we have to go and find something else new which, unfortunately, many times can end up that way in married life. After a few years, well, now I just got to find someone else. Or with anything, we keep thinking we can bring all this new stuff and produce more new things, and it's just going to make it all better. But no, we're missing something. It's the corruption of sin, the suppression by Satan, and power of death that beats down and bears on this life. And so hearts and minds renewed by Jesus keep joy where it belongs on the newness God brings at last. And this hope and comfort, yes, is for today. Now the vision of a new heaven and a new earth, as you heard today, is a break with the present strife of an old world. After Easter, Our epistle reading for the following Sundays, if you noticed, have come from the book of Revelation. Previously, the reading were more from the beginning of St. John's last and great vision concerning the end times. However, the remainder of our Easter season, starting this Sunday to the end of Easter celebration, turns us to the end of this book with that consummation, that fullness, we say, to come of a new heaven and a new earth. This newness, Christians confess regularly. I don't think we really appreciate what we really say because it's kind of that tag at the very end of the creed. I look for the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. I don't think so. I think we look at too many other things. God's judgment and salvation does, though, finally yield an unknown glory yet seen. So none of you have the experience to talk about it. Only St. John does because he received that revelation. But it's good news. Even Isaiah, the prophet, long ago heard that. He saw that fullness. The Lord said, For behold, I create new heavens in a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. This promising break from the old with the new does refresh the present, because Christ and his work have won over all the strife. You see? Prior to this second to last chapter in Revelation, you've got to understand something. St. John saw mostly great conflict and disarray with the world throughout all time. There were glimpses of heaven, the saints at rest, right? But warfare on earth, God giving response to man's devotion to the darkness and the denial of his Christ. You have the seven letters you write to the seven churches, and you you know what? The majority of the churches that were written to were struggling and being tempted by false teaching. While a couple were struggling with despair over the hostility they suffered. Of course, St. John also saw those visions of wrath with seals that were being opened, trumpets blowing, and bowls poured out of God by God that, I don't know if we believe it anymore, nobody's going to hinder this. When God pours it out, all you're going to do is suffer it. This back and forth Good seasons and bad seasons, this ebb and flow, we could say, are more than a cyclical pattern felt in a fallen world. But it has taken on a new meaning. It's all going somewhere. Don't ask me how. And don't get caught up in millennialism and post-millennialism and all those those things that people want to dream up. But it is all going somewhere. Somewhere. Because God in these last days has spoken to us by his son, not just speaking, but also his son lifted up high on the cross and now risen from the dead, never to die again. And so the raging of this old creation with sin and death and Satan will end before the new. Because Jesus is the Lord of life, our peace. Now the dwelling of God is, we already know this, we celebrate Christmas, right? Duh. And so this fact makes us already long for the oneness God brings. Instead of getting caught up in the new heavens and earth kind of questions that and confirmation kids want to ask, you know, people want to talk about what it's going to be and all that stuff. Did you notice that it's one verse it said and then automatically St. John jumps on to the next thing, the bigger thing, attention given to the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This city of God is not like the sum and go with their kingdoms that we know fade in all the glory they've been given throughout time. And neither is this Jerusalem rising up from the old historic city over there somewhere to be resurrected and restored out of the ground of its own destruction. No, that's not what we're talking about. The new Jerusalem receives her adornment from none other than a faithful husband, having gloriously given all out of love for his bride. Christ ransomed this city By his blood. And so there is, as we say, one holy church in him that will have godly beauty set before a new heaven and a new earth. You're not going to find it right now. But it will be there. All perfectly aligned as a celebratory wedding feast. And so the new Jerusalem comes down It doesn't stay up. It comes down because oneness will be to behold. Those words, the dwelling place of God is with man. Jesus Christ has already broken into a world, passing away as God in our flesh, born in a manger, crucified on the cross, rising out of the dead. And now he is to justify anyone before his father by grace through faith in him. The basis for God's holy dwelling now belongs alone to being in his son. And a verdict has gone out, as we heard from Acts today. It's a wonderful verdict. You heard some tension in the church, and the verdict came to the conclusion, then the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance That leads to life. There's lots of repentance in the world, but it does not lead to life always, just to more death and despair. But with the gospel, it's all good. Christ dwells with us as he promised. For God's new Jerusalem comes reconciled by his forgiveness that's at work. And we know that it's because it stands between God and men to forgive all our sins, the sins of any jesus present now by his holy word baptism and the lord's supper anticipates the oneness of union with god in the new heaven and earth so think about that when we enter into the church's presence It's not what we're going to be what we're going to make ourselves it's what it already is by god's glory and what he will bring in the last day by his grace The church is never at rest. There's no retirement package for the church. Not in this life. But our Lord keeps saying with love, So also you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So think about the loved ones who have passed. And all the ones who've gone before us, as we say, and sing around the Lord's Supper with angels and archangels, there's our peace that will pass all understanding around Christ. And so the blessed benefits of God with us wipes away tears in heaven. But after the final resurrection, it will be to see a new heavens and earth with Jesus. And so the good change belongs to confidence in God and His Word, glorious to give life to creation. Everything in the text today is building from what St. John first saw, then he heard, announced, to finally Him who is seated on the throne who speaks. That's the climax. That's the excitement of this text today. All the other stuff is just kind of building up to it. And God said, behold, I am Yahweh, making all things new. It's more than a statement. You can't put this on a bulletin board. It's the creative voice of the Father who speaks with all authority. That voice of God who first created the world. And you know how it went. God said, let there be light, and there was light. His word does what it says, unlike ours. And here, what we hear today is no multiple days of creative word of God at work. He doesn't say that. God says one word of I am making all things new. And so he will make new what is the original creation. A new order to replace, to replace a new order to replace the old way that we understand things. But as Jesus rose with the same body laid in the grave, so the present creation will not be all thrown out. But it will be a mystery at the present. Of what it all means. At the present, we can cherish this creation, even if it's passing away from sin and death. And no less can we honor this creation with our own bodies as a witness as Christians. This is not about being a health nut, OK? This is about a witness to who has made us and who has redeemed us and who has promised to even take this world out of its own misery. So it's not about worship of creation, as like many today fall into with reincarnation. That has no room for the creator who sent his son to redeem humanity. Reincarnation just keeps recycling the old stuff and it will never be new. Not what Jesus has done out of the grave. And there's also no place for utopian dreams. I think that's what we're stuck in in our Western world. I mean, we've come so far. We've progressed. We just got to think harder and do more, and it will work itself out. And evolution is our comfort because, I mean, it all comes from chaos anyway. So if we do enough things, sooner or later, it's just going to be right. It will never be right. There is no utopian thing in our hands. Especially the last century, you know how it goes, ravaged creation with war, nuclear war, death of unborn children, unknown through all of history compared to what we've done. And frankly, the denial of God is what does us in. And so to cherish creation in our present life needs reliance upon what God accomplished already out of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By His Son's sacrifice, God the Father can say, as you heard, it's done. In Greek, it's a perfect word, perfect tense. It's done in God's eyes. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give from the springs of water, of life without payment. There's your gospel. None are saved because of works, because of him who saved us as we work by that grace. And so the invitation fulfilled is what has gone out by grace at the present. And God keeps bringing it to us as to the rest of humanity to come and receive as Jesus says it to us so the church must closely abide with Jesus. You heard it today in Bible study. If anyone thirsts, Let him come to me. And he even lets you drink from his holy supper. The very life blood of our God with us to be in your life. The world's passing away. And so the new becomes old. But that doesn't stop me from planting my garden. I did that this week. I'm proud to finally get that done. Had to till it. Had to weed it all out. Sweat pretty good. And now... I hope in God that the the rain does what it's supposed to do. The sun does what it's supposed to do. I don't do too much of what I want to do, even though I will have to do some things like weed. That's no fun. But all this stuff in the end, maybe. And you you got pretty good harvesting around here, so I look forward to good tomatoes. But it's that kind of hopefulness that we still take joy in this creation as good stewards but with fear, a serious fear that God's grace preserves us to the end with the gospel. So much for my garden, so much for my life, so much for whatever retirement or way you want to live now. If it's all in vain, if we are not preserved by God's grace through the work of the Spirit to repent and believe in this good news of what indeed brings great news on the last day. By baptism, we've died and rose with Jesus to see by faith the hopeful way of our Lord. Jesus won the inheritance by walking through this. When so we pray that in the Lord's Prayer, don't pray that apart from Jesus because he rose victorious, so shall we. And by his sacrifice, you are adopted as a child of God to conquer through faith in him. As an heir of his glory, all sorrow set before his cross will pass away. All other sorrows and despair of the world not set before the crucified Lord only brings more judgment and sadness. Hearts and minds renewed by Jesus keep joy where it belongs. Newness God brings at last. And this hope and comfort, yes, is for you, my brothers and sisters, even for today. Amen. The blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us to life everlasting. Amen.